Good morning. If you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to take them. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4 as we are creeping our way to the very end of this chapter and of this letter. But before we go very far at all, I would like to ask, and I know that you just sat down, um, our mothers that are here this morning. If you are a mom that is here this morning, a grandmom, a great-grandmom, um, even if you're going to be a mom in that next nine-month window, would you please just stand up if you're able to stand? If not, stay in your seats. Just stand up. And as we begin this morning, I'm going to ask that you remain standing. And we're going to pray specifically for you. You have been called. You have been commissioned with a task from a sovereign God that I don't think anyone in this room would disagree with the fact it's a very, very hard task. And let me tell you this, you do well. You do well. We're going to bow our heads as these ladies stand and ask God's blessing specifically upon them as well as our time together in His Word. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, as we come now into your presence, we are amazed with who you are. And we want to express our gratitude for your amazing mercy, goodness, and grace, and love. Father, together as a church body, we have now before us standing women, moms, that are gifts. I believe they are gifts from you directly. We want to say thank you for gifting us with each one of these mothers. Father, at this time, I, I just think as, as the rain pours down outside, that your spirits, that your blessings would literally pour down on these women. That you would give to them Patience that is beyond their own strength. Give to them strength and resilience and stamina. Give to them gentleness. Father, give to them an ability to reflect your glory in every area of their life. We just, we just think of sleepless nights. We think, Lord, of the selfless sacrifice. And we're amazed at the strength that is represented. Father, I pray, Lord, as each one of these women are standing before us, and I think of other moms that are serving in other areas of the church even right now. Lord, we just ask that we would be careful to honor them, to show them the respect and to love, to esteem them. Father, we pray for families that are represented in marriages, perhaps even this moment in the midst of struggle or turmoil. Father, just pray for each one of these women as wives, that you bless them. Father, thank you for who you are. Thank you, Lord, that you meet us where we're at, that you love us unconditionally. And now as we have a few moments to open your word and 
and, and read it and Lord willing allow you to open up our ears to hear and eyes to see you that you in a miraculous and supernatural way would arrive and nourish souls. Speak to us. Lord, just personally, I ask for guidance and strength and clarity. May everything that is done this morning always be for your glory and for your glory alone. We ask this now in a strong and wonderful and powerful and matchless name of our Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. Amen and amen. Thank you, ladies. You may have a seat. Thank you. <clears throat> Okay, the last two weeks we um, looked at Paul, the Apostle Paul, as he was making a very clear statement proclaiming that he has learned something. Just like us, we need to keep a teachable spirit. Paul says what? I have learned in every situation to be content. He repeats it. He said, I have learned the secret of facing plenty or what? Facing hunger, abundance and need. It really doesn't matter in our lives whether or not we have um, a little or a lot. What matters is that we are content. Because it's not just based on outward circumstances. It's an inward knowledge and understanding. As Jeremiah Burroughs, the Puritan, refers to contentment as that quieted spirit. As hard as the situation that you may be in right now, believe it or not, it says in God's Word that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Praise God that there is a short straight line between the subject of contentment and the subject of joy, which is a theme that we have seen bubble up to the surface all throughout this study in Philippians. Now we are coming to the very concluding words and comments as Paul concludes, he draws our attention to two primary subjects. And what he does is that he expresses gratitude in goodness and grace for specifically two things. He, he thanks the Lord for the local church of Jesus Christ. And he thanks the Lord for Jesus Christ himself going to read verses 14 through 20. I'm reading from the ESV. The words will be in front of you. Pick it up with me. Philippians chapter 4, verse 14 down through verse 20. The word of the Lord. Yet it was, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once and again. Not, not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credits. I have received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father be glory forever and ever. 
Amen. Three points I want to give to you from the text directly this morning. The first one is this. You can write this down and remember this. Hold on to this because you're going to need it in the ride over this next time before us. Just as the Philippians shared in Paul's trouble, we are to share in one another's trouble. First point, let me repeat it. Just as the Philippians shared in Paul's trouble, guess what? You and I, as the local church of Jesus Christ, are called to share in one another's trouble. I love how Paul just kind of says, he speaks from his heart, it was, it was kind of you. It was kind of you to share my trouble. No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Look at that word share. It was kind of you to share. It's interesting that, that it's the word sin koinonia. A lot of times in our church, you'll hear this word koinonia. It speaks of our communion or our fellowship with one another. The idea of sharing here is sin It literally means to be connected to or, or to participate together. We are connected. It says share in trouble. The word is thlipsis. I just love saying that in Greek. It's thlipsis. It means what? Trouble, tribulation, oppression. It means literally anything that is causing pain, distress. Or suffering. This can be spiritual. This can be physical, emotional, mental, financial. The list goes on. In any trouble, we are all connected. Do you realize that's when you walk through these doors that we share in one another's trouble? When you walk out of these doors and if you, we share, we're connected to one another. What's today? It's Mother's Day. It's Mother's Day. I'm wearing my only pink shirt that I own. It's Mother's Day. We have before us, what, as these women just stood, we have before us living, breathing examples of individuals who seem to share in one another's trouble, turmoil, trial. We certainly want to encourage our moms, as we do every single Mother's Day. But I think, in all honesty, we would be wise to actually learn this morning from our mothers. Mon Monday night, we were at dinner, um, and we were having dinner out in the, in, in the woods where there was no cell phone reception. Visiting some friends, having dinner together. And, and so when you, you're not in cell phone reception, you kind of come back to like civilization, away from where like Dave Mays lives, and you're back now to civilization. What happens is that your, your phone kind of comes back to life again, doesn't it? And immediately when you see what? That there's eight texts that you've missed. You're like, whoa, what's up? I received a text from my little sister Ruthie, and she simply asked this, would we please pray for my girl? My girl. My little sister Ruthie has four sons and one daughter. Her daughter is Megan, and Megan was going into surgery unplanned for an emergency appendectomy. What I thought was interesting, although Megan is actually married, lives in Texas, and has two children of her own. I find it interesting that, that to my sister, 
Her daughter is still what? My little girl. Would you pray for my little girl? A mother never stops, never stops sharing and caring in their son or their daughter's trouble regardless of the age. Such is the relationship with one another in the context of the local church. It's the same relationship that exists, should exist in sharing trouble. Paul faced what? Persecution, trouble. Paul faced what? Imprisonment, trouble. Starvation, trouble. Paul faced coldness, trouble. And sickness, trouble. But he didn't face it. He never faced it alone. Why? Think about this. My trouble is your trouble. And your trouble is my trouble. That's the way. What's interesting is that we're in graduation season and everyone in the graduation card receives what? Um, the verse from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11, 12, and 13. I have plans for you and plans to give you hope and a future. Like this amazing, but guess what? Your future, there's no promise that it's always going to be smooth sailing. That hope that, that God promises you is not always going to be easy. A lot of times your future and my future may have times of pain and trouble. I actually love the phrase. I love the phrase that Paul intentionally uses to describe the Philippians ministering to him in his trouble. And what does it say? It says that they entered. It says that they entered into partnership with me. What does that mean? It's one thing. It's one thing to like hear of trouble. It's another thing to like see trouble. And it's a totally, totally different thing to actually enter into trouble. Years ago, I was in my office and I received an email. And it was literally a cry for help from Haiti. There had been a devastating flood that had literally destroyed a little town north of Port-au-Prince called Gonaive. An orphanage had been destroyed and a missionary pastor, he's actually from the Philippines, was there. And word was sent out that they needed help. And I heard it. In short notice, very quickly, I put together a team of, of men. We checked our resources. Is this like real? Is legit? It was. Put together in about a week, a team of eight men. You got your shots and your passports. You're good to go. Seth was about 16 years old at the time. He jumped on board. We landed in Port-au-Prince. We drove seven hours. And from inside of this truck, we looked out. We didn't just hear about the devastation, we actually saw it. Homes completely just washed away. Cars flipped upside down. The place was just a war zone. And then something happened. It was totally, totally different. When that pickup truck stopped in the middle of a flooded street, there was about two feet of water and the driver who could speak no English shut the truck off and it's quiet. And then the doors open and we stepped out. It's totally different what, than hearing it. It's different than seeing it. 
At that moment, you step out as water flows over your boots and you enter it. You see, that's exactly what the Philippians did for the Apostle Paul. That's exactly what you and I are called to do in the lives of one another, which means we cannot, we cannot minister from afar. Yeah, but you don't know their life. Their life is pretty messy. No, 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 no. Thankfully, God is always at work in the mess. Thankfully, what? It's exactly, it's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ did. Unlike anyone else other, unlike anyone, thankfully the angel announced in Matthew chapter 1 verse 23, Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son that shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. That God himself entered. Our world. John chapter 1 verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory as of the only son from the father. Full of grace and truth. You see we have before us an example of how to enter someone else's ache and hurt and trouble and trial. Not just from the Philippians but thankfully from the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Number two, just as the Philippians showed their generosity, we are to show our generosity as well. Just as the Philippians, what, lavishly poured out. They gave. Do you realize that according to what we see, the authority of the word of God, we are to show our generosity. Paul says this, I am well supplied having received the gifts that you sent. Have you ever had your, your needs met? Like your needs, sure, our needs. But have you ever had your needs met like beyond what was necessary? Needs met beyond what you could have ever even expected? As you know, I grew up um, on the mission field. It was not the jungles of Africa, but moving um, from suburbia, Cozyville, Philadelphia, to the woods of northern Canada, it might as well have been the jungles of Africa because we didn't know any different at all. Typical, like many missionary families, uh, we traveled around and, and we raise support from local churches, mostly in Pennsylvania and New Jersey. But our primary support, as it should be, came from our home church or our sending church, Shelton Baptist Church in Dresher, Pennsylvania, as well as many families and individual supporters from that church. I have to tell you, as a kid, it was kind of... It was kind of scary at some level, but it was also amazing to see how God actually provided. It, it, was, it was tight for us as a family, but God always came through. He always met our needs. Just as a, as a young one, kind of looking up and watching. My parents 
pray and God provide. It was pretty cool to experience. I remember one particular time there was a, a larger church in the inner city of Philadelphia, which I believe unnamed. And they had a gathering of women, of ladies that would meet every single um, week, once a week. Uh, a missionary, a ladies missionary support group and they would gather together and they would have tea together and they would talk and do whatever they do at missionary ladies events. I have no idea. But part of their support was that after they were done dunking their tea bags, they would pull them out and they would set them on newspaper and they would let the tea bags dry out. And when they got enough of the dried out tea bags, after they had already used them and they would dry them out, they would wrap them up and they would send them to missionaries. Well, we were one of the missionary families. And as a kid on the mission field, whenever, whenever packages arrived in the mail, it's like, wow! And it was always a great day when a package arrived in the mail, except the day that we received used tea bags in the mail. And I remember, I remember my dad and my mom at some level, almost, almost embarrassed as they're opening this up to say, this, this is what, this is what was given to us on the mission field. Our um, home church, our sending church got word. I do not know how, but somehow... Uh, pastor Glenn Blossom, senior pastor at Shelton Baptist at the time, got word that the Boger family had received dried out tea bags from a women's fellowship group. I will never forget the time that Pastor Blossom flew directly. We picked him up at the airport in Halifax. And as we received Pastor Blossom, he said, I'm going to take you out to dinner. I'm going to take the whole family out to dinner. And he took us to the coast on the, um, uh, the harbor at Halifax, and we ordered, he said, you order whatever you want. And, and we ordered lobsters, and we ordered steak, and he purposely said, I want more. I want more brought out to you. And as kids, I remember sitting at this banquet table. I remember Pastor Blossom saying, that's the way, that's the way that we will support our missionaries. And I never forgot that. You don't, you don't give the dregs of what's left over. You give the very, very best, and you give in a way that sacrifices. You know, I, I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade those times for anything. We saw literally one particular time, um, uh, we didn't have a lot of money even for gas. We were supposed to, to go to school the next day. And mom and dad were like, well, we can't go. We don't have any money for gas. It really wasn't that unusual to be that tight. And I remember it was, it was late at night and it was the middle of a snowstorm. And that wasn't that unusual in Nova Scotia either. And I remember there was a knock on the door in the middle of the night, late at night, in a snowstorm, and a complete stranger who we did not know, no one knew, literally handed us an envelope and walked away, and there were two $20 bills in it. We were like, wow. We're like, we think it's an angel or something. 
And dad's like, no, no, you can actually see his footprints in the snow. You can't see angels' footprints in the snow. I don't know. Wouldn't trade. Wouldn't trade that for anything. What many do not realize is that when Paul writes, he intentionally uses, chooses to use this phrase that describes the gifts that he received. I want you to see this. What? As a fragrant offering, a sacrifice that is acceptable and pleasing to God. Now, I want you to know, this is not a metaphor here, okay? This is not creating a word picture. He's not describing the gifts he received as like or as a what? Fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable. He's not saying that. Instead, he's saying the gifts that he received are. They are a fragrant offering. A sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. Okay, so like what, what does that mean? Let, let, me, let me make very clear what it means. When you give through the local church of Jesus Christ, it is an extension of your worship. You realize that? When you give online, when you give that little plate, that basket that gets passed, it is an extension of you worshiping. Well, what is worship? I constantly use the definition of worship. It's our response. There's a response to God's goodness and grace. The, the issue is never whether we worship. Okay, the, the issue instead is always what you worship or better yet. The issue is who is it? And how do you worship? Jesus actually said it like this as he was speaking to the woman at the well in John chapter 4. He said the hour is coming. The hour is coming and, and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. And I love this. Jesus Christ himself says what? For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. That's me. I want to be one of those. I want to be one of those. It says what? That the Father himself is looking for people who will worship like that. Jesus continues on and says, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. David Mathis writes this, Christian worship engages both heart and head. It necessitates true doctrine about the Father and the Son and their partnership in rescuing sinners and due emotion about that doctrine. It is both an affair of the heart and an affair of the mind. Thankfully, what? Jesus, through his atoning work on the cross, Jesus, what? Forever freed us from having to go to the, to the sheep pen, from having to go out to the pasture to find the lamb. Jesus forever freed us from having to take that lamb and, 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 and head to the temple to offer it as a sacrifice to atone for our sins. Jesus forever freed us from that. Now we, just like the Philippians, can give what? Simply as a response to God's amazing goodness and grace. 
Therefore, what? What are we doing? When we give, we are ascribing to the only one who is truly worthy. You realize that our giving is an indication of our worship. Sacrificial giving means what? That we give knowing, knowing that it costs us. Could, could I ask you this? When you give to the local church, an entire ministry that exists with one purpose, to bring glory to God in the community that God has called us, to be light in darkness. We exist by faith. Supported by the local church, by you. Do you give as an act of your own worship? Willingly? Not reluctantly. Willingly. Is it, is it drudgery of, of having to write out the check? Is it drudgery of having to go online and, and click the button? Do you give willingly? Do you give sacrificially knowing? This is good. This is, this is tight. Do you give joyfully? I love how Paul describes what the, the believers in 2 Corinthians in chapter 9. He says in verses 6 and 7, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves God loves a cheerful giver. This past week, uh, Wendy and I were able to walk another pastor visiting our area and his wife through this church. They'd heard about it and they'd seen some pictures and so they, they wanted to walk through. And, and I couldn't help but say, well, as we walked in here, this, this baptistry over here, we've never had a church with a, a baptism tank before. That was just a, a gift. The family said, we want to just offer this to the church. All of these chairs, 400 chairs that are sitting here. There's another 100 that we can't wait to bring out, but we don't need to yet. Hopefully soon. They, they were just given as a gift. Someone sacrificially. This pulpit that was, that was made, it was made by two men within this body. And they, they had a vision and, and, and they, they built it on their own. And, and the lock-in system to get in and the key fobs and all the, it was all just donated as a gift. Cameras and security system, it was just given as, as a gift. Checking in our children and computers, it was just given as a gift. People, what, showed up to sacrificially give and give and give. And I have to say that I have heard testimony after testimony after testimony of how people have delighted in giving joyfully to the Lord. You realize just as the Philippians showed their generosity, that we have been positioned and placed at a time to show our generosity as well. Thirdly and finally, why? Just as the Lord supplied every need for Paul in the Philippians, the Lord will supply every need that we have. 
It says what in verses 19? My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. I love, I love the confidence. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a cockiness that Paul has, but it is clearly a confidence that is uh, displayed here. My God will supply. What, what do we see here is faith upon faith upon more faith. There doesn't seem to be Paul kind of like wondering. His voice is not wavering or cracking here. Okay, it's not shaky. No. It is what? It is a strong, clear, full proclamation of truth and a demonstration of conviction. My God will supply. This is someone that is speaking with both authority and what? And experience. And we want that. Notice as well that he talks and he, and he differentiates between the terms what? God will supply all of your needs. What we need to know this morning is the difference between needs and wants. Big difference. Need, a need, is simply defined as what? A requirement. It's, it's a necessary duty, something that is requisite. Whereas a want is what? It's simply a desire for something, a wish, a demand, a longing, a yearning, a craving, a hankering. Hankering was actually in the dictionary. Which means there's a big difference between I got a hankering for some Haagen-Dazs Belgian chocolate ice cream. I got a craving for that. And what? Versus what? Versus something that we can't even begin to really even fathom. Most of us. Versus a, a, a pain in our stomach that says, I need nourishment in order to continue to live. I need to have something put in my body to sustain me just a little while longer. Sadly, we live in a world that is far more accustomed to focusing on us getting our wants. I want this. Versus our needs being met. We also need to remember, according to what is drawn to our attention here, who the giver is. Who's, who's the giver? Who's the supplier? Who is the source of all of our needs being met? It is what? It is God and God alone. I've heard some ignorant arrogant people say yeah 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 but but i i deserve this i worked hard for this i i studied and i earned this people 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 how long have i been with you who has given you the ability to work? Who has given you the ability to think? Who has given you the ability to move your hands? Who's given you the ability to breathe, to take one more breath? James says it like this, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow 
do to change? Let me ask you this. You can raise your hand if you want. How many people uh, chose which country you were going to be born in? I didn't have a lot to uh, do with that. How, how many of you chose who your mom was going to be? Yeah, well, I, I didn't have like a big choice in that. How, how many of you chose the color of your eyes? Green. How many of you chose the color? Yeah, I'd like blue eyes, please. Uh, no, no, you didn't have much choice. But then somebody says, yeah, but I put contacts in and I make them whatever color I want. Well, then you got to take them out at night, huh? How, how many of you chose to lose a loved one due to cancer? How many of you chose that? How many of you chose for your parents to, to go through a divorce? You, you watched it. How many of you chose that? How many of you chose to feel the ache and the pain of a body that just aches every single day? We are very, very quickly reminded that we have very little control over anything in our life. But thankfully, but thankfully, and the reason that we gather every single Sunday, same time, same place, to fix our attention and our affections on God and God alone. We are reminded of His Plan of His plan. And, and it is difficult at times. And yet we can trust His sovereignty that in His plan we see His amazing and unrelenting provision. Not, not only speaking about the fact that God supplies what our need for air. God supplies our need for water. And God supplies our need for food, for shelter. But God has supplied, it, supplied each one of us with the solution to the greatest need that any and all of us have. The need for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I think what is incredible in closing is, is to see that Jesus actually did Everything that we learned this morning and the Philippians modeled for us. Do you realize that? Number one, what did Jesus do? Jesus shared in our trouble. Just like we're supposed to. Jesus shared in our trouble. He left the glory of heaven to come down to the scum of a manger to be born, to be with us. Number two, we know that Jesus showed his generosity all the way through his entire ministry when he taught truth. The truth was hard to hear at times. Jesus showed his generosity when he healed many. When he modeled grace and love. Thirdly, we know that Jesus supplied our greatest need. Jesus supplied our greatest need when he died on the cross. Feeling the full weight of his father's wrath so that you and I would be freed and forgiven. Jesus supplied our greatest need to have life and have it more abundantly when he rose again that third day. May we be reminded of the example that is before us in the Lord Jesus Christ and may that drive us 
to be faithful followers of him in every area of our lives. To share in the trouble, to be generous, and to trust him to supply every need that we could ever, ever have. Father, we love you. I thank you for the reminder from your word that teaches us of who you are and how Paul saw that modeled in the Philippians. And God, my prayer as pastor of Big Woods Bible Church is that we too would model the example that's given to us in Scripture. We confess and admit we cannot. We just don't have it in us to do this on our own strength. And so we plead and beg for your strength. We wait on your strength and we trust you to supply the need of our own obedience to you. We ask this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.